Well, good morning, Woodside. How are you today? It's a great day. Sorry, I need a little bit. I needed a little bit more time, um, not to prepare for the sermon, but just hearing uh, stories. I don't know why. I'm feeling emotional this morning. It's just powerful. I just, uh, man, Thoreau, what an amazing story. Um, with a dad with three daughters and not being able to control the journey of faith they're on, any of your kids, it's amazing to hear of God's faithfulness in your kid's life, right? Um, I just love hearing how God's changed people's lives and taken them on a different journey. It's much different than ours. So if you're new today, I apologize for my emotional state, but uh, we're thankful you're here. Uh, my name is Jim. I'm the pastor, the campus pastor of this location of Woodside, and we're so glad that you're here today. Well, I'm not up there anymore. Uh, but we're thankful that you're here. And uh, I just have a couple of things. Before we get started, um, I just want to share a couple of things with you that are going on at the church that I'd love for you to know about. First of all, if you're new to our church, we're so thankful you're here. We take, uh, I, I know if you're, if you're a normal attender of our church, you are every week hearing about, hey, fill out the communication card or text this number. But for those that are new, this is vitally important. And so we'd love to connect with you. There's a number on the screen if you text welcome. If they leave that up there for a moment, those online, you can do the same. There's an easy way for us to connect with you. We want to make sure you're new. You're not just a face in the crowd. We love you. We care about you. We don't want to just for you to come in and out. We want you to become a part of the church. And that starts with just getting to know us and finding out what's going on at the church. And so we'd love to connect with you if you text that number or you can take your bulletin and fill out the card there, drop it off downstairs at the connect desk. We'd love to connect with you that way as well. And we're entering into Christmas season. Hopefully you've already been decorating, listening to Christmas music, enjoying the festivities. If not, soon enough, Thanksgiving's this week, and then you will be legally allowed to listen to Christmas music. <laughs> um, but coming up, we want to engage you and your family. And so we have a Christmas uh, uh, Eve service coming up on Christmas Eve, obviously. But the fun part about it is Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. Isn't that awesome? Uh, so we're going to have services all day. If you look on there, we have an 11 o'clock, a 1 p.m., 2.30, and a 4 p.m. We would love to see you there at one of those times. Invite somebody, grab somebody, um, and bring them with you. We would love to have you there with your family. Traditional service of just um, candlelight and enjoying the festivities and time together as a family. With that said, in preparation to getting to Christmas, today's the day. We're going to be decorating the church right after, right after the, the next service, 12 o'clock. So if you want to join us, go home or grab something to eat, come back at 12 o'clock. We're going to be decorating the church together. It's going to be a great time, fun time. Uh, join us in that. And then uh, we have also our, our, our Christmas outreach coming up. It's called our Holiday Stroll. Here, oh, being a part of Canterbury Village is an awesome thing in the sense that they put on all kinds of festivals and there will literally over Christmas time probably be more than 10,000 people that walk through the Christmas decorated village and all the festivities here. And we want to engage in that. And so if you didn't know, we have like a 100-year-old barn attached to our building that's ours over here. We use it for students and kids on Sunday mornings. And we're going to be in, engaging the, co the population that comes through, putting on live music, hot cocoa, all that kind of stuff. And we would love to have you a part of that. So if your small group wants to get involved or you want to get involved, it was an awesome time just to engage people from uh, the area or not from the area. And we, we pray with them. We have conversations with them. We just enjoy their company and invite them to Christmas Eve. We'd love to have you a part of that. You can go down to the Connect desk if you want to be a part of that. Sign up, sign your group up, that kind of thing. And then I have one last thing. If you saw downstairs under our, our, our Jumbotron, our four TVs, 
in, in the lower lobby, um, there's there one of these. This is our kids' um, uh, Advent kind of devotional for a family. It engages the entire family for you as a family to engage your kids. It goes in correspondence with our actual series we're doing. There's a family kind of like project you can do together, all of that. We'd love to have you grab one of these. Every Sunday, we have anywhere from like 250 or, or more now in November, kids on a Sunday morning. All of you that have kids, we'd love for you to engage and, and walk with your kids through the Christmas season. Don't let it go by without that. And so grab one on your way out downstairs. And I think that's it. That's all that I have. I'm going to pray. As we started a couple of weeks ago, um, we want to continue to pray for what the Lord provides for us in the church. And while we don't take a physical offering anymore, um, most of the people here give or are giving boxes or online, which is whatever. Uh, we love that and we're thankful for your faithfulness, but also praying in the service for offering, asking the Lord to provide our needs. It's not individuals, it's not people, it's the Lord who provides for us. Amen? And, and we want to continue to lay that down at the Lord's feet. So let's pray. I'm going to pray for the service, for us to hear from the Lord and the Word of God, as well as for our offering today. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, the opportunity we have to gather we don't take it lightly. We know that you have something for us today. And so we ask that you would engage with us, Lord. Um, I'm asking, Lord, specifically for today and next week for you to press into the depths of our heart. Not that I wouldn't pray that every week, Lord, but praying today that you would press on us to be faithful to what you call us to. To not push it aside or only read parts of the Bible that we like but press into this, Lord, and see how it doesn't produce fruit in our church. God, we lay down at your feet all of our needs in the church, individually, corporately, the whole body. We know that you provide for all of our needs. And so, Lord, that we ask that you do that the same with the tithes and the offerings of individuals in this church. Use them for your kingdom in this area and around the world. It's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. Amen. We can turn to Matthew chapter 18 with me. Matthew 18. We are going to be uh, continuing in our series called Conflicted, where we're trying to engage in Matthew chapter 18, which is one of the greatest texts in Scripture, which talks about reconciliation, engagement, and moving forward in a gospel, peaceful way. Um, this week and next week are going to be really fun. They're going to be really challenging, but I think it'll be fun for us to engage with and walk with one another in it. And, and over the last number of weeks, we've walked through a lot of different things. Even last week, Pastor Chris, I wasn't here. Uh, I, I was out of town with my daughter, and amen, this, this last week, Pastor Chris challenged us to go after the one, right? And, and we don't often get to hear from Pastor Chris, maybe a couple, few times a year. It's just a challenge for us to engage with each other in the one. And we've covered a gamut of of, of topics and next week talking about forgiveness. And so if that's a struggle for you, don't come next week. No, I'm just playing. I want you to be here. Come. Don't hear that and be like, well, I'm not coming next week because Jim's going to talk about forgiveness and I don't like forgiving people. So no, be here. Bring someone. These are, these are highly important topics. And I'll just be honest with you. Today is not going to be super inspirational. Like let's go change the world. It's going to be more like, hey, let's just process this together. And by processing together and living it out, we will change the world. We'll change the way we interact with one another. And so as I, I, as I think about um, today, I, I just think about one of the massive problems we have in the world today. And you're seeing it on almost every front that you do life. 
And the problem which I loathe is cancel culture. We're living in a world where if you make one mistake, you're canceled. If you look back into someone's past when they were really dumb or stupid and they said one thing that they shouldn't have 20 years ago and they highly regret it, because we found it, we now have an opportunity to cancel them. It's almost as if we're looking for opportunities to cancel people rather than what is missing in the world we live in today is grace and redemption and healing. And you see it in all kinds of fronts. You see it in, in, in relational issues, like, hey, you know what? They did one thing, I'm out. You see it in politics. It's maybe the biggest place. Nope, canceled, done. You see it in, in celebrities. You see it, man, may I be, maybe I feel blunt to say, you see it in the church. We're, we're not immune to what the world is bringing into our own lives. A pastor, a prolific pastor, makes one mistake, they're canceled. They're done with. There's no redemption. There's no bringing them back. It's like, no, no, no. They're no longer fit to do this or do that, which they may not be for a season. And it's bleeding into our relationships with one another. So many people are like, you know what? That person, they offended me, and I don't want to talk to them anymore. I don't want to be around them anymore. I don't want to pursue peace with them. Forget them. And that's not the way of the kingdom of God. See, we're living in a world that is counter to the world that we're called to live out, the kingdom we're called to live out. And so with everything in us, we need to pursue the opposite of a cancel culture and, and pursue a redemption culture. That people, while they make mistakes, if we, if we just but look in the mirror, we'll be reminded that we make mistakes. And should we be canceled at each opportunity? Or should we just be forgotten and moved on? Or should we engage and pursue redemption? You see, this is what I want us to see today in our text as Jesus himself challenges us is that Christian relationships pursue repentance and reconciliation. This, this is what we are called to do. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty of it. And Jesus kind of gives us in Matthew 18 in this text kind of three practical things to do. And I'm going to be honest with you, you've probably, if you've been around church, if you're joining us online, you've been around church, you've probably all known this, you've probably quoted it. Hey, this is what you should do. The problem I'm having is it's really easy to come out of our mouth. I'm not sure it's as easy to live. I want to challenge us to live out this known text of what Jesus calls us to in Matthew 18, in really one of the, the, the crux of the entirety of the text. Um, we find ourselves. So look with me, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. As we continue on in Matthew 18, look what it says. Just one verse. If your brother, and, and I'll just give you this free, anytime you find that in the text, you can interpret sister as well. Girls, you're not immune to this today. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell him or her his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained, or that word also is many times translated, won your brother, like you've won your brother back. And so when I talk about like three steps that Jesus is challenging us with in reconciliation and living peaceable lives with others and brothers and sisters in Christ, the first thing I want you to see is go and win your brother personally. 
Like the first step is going to your brother. If you've been sinned against or someone sinned against you, go to the, win them personally. And again, as I read this, I know that most of you in this room that have been around the Bible, been around Christianity, have, have already been like, okay, I know exactly what text this is, right? God calls me to go and, and confront them personally. Well, the first step that he instructs us to is just, man, if there's been broken relationship, is there anyone in this room, you don't have to raise your hands, just think about it, that has had broken relationship in uh, any atmosphere with a brother or sister in Christ. And maybe it's your spouse that's sitting right next to you. Do you know your spouse is a brother and sister in Christ? At the most formative, intimate level. And if there has been any sin that has been sinned against you, he says, man, the, the first thing we do is going directly and personally to the person that has harmed you or hurt you, Right? So Jesus is saying this is predominantly about interpersonal relationship between believers, a brother or a sister in Christ. If they sin against you, man, your first thing you should do is go. What do you say, though? He says, man, if this person has sinned against you, the person actually responsible for taking initiative is the person that has been sinned against. Do you hear that? Like if someone in the church, and it doesn't have to be someone here, someone you know that's a believer, or, or for that matter, I'll just go further, anyone that has sinned against you, your first process is to go to them personally, the person that's been sinned against. It's our job. We have the initiative, Jesus is saying, is going to them. You know what the opposite is happening in most churches today or most Christians today? I'll talk a lot more about this next week. Oh, man, we love to like, no, I'm not going to them. Forget this. They wronged me, and when they figure out they wronged me, they can come to me, they can humble themselves and apologize. That's not in the Bible. It's not that, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to give them the silent treatment. I am going to break off relationship, and if they want to come and pursue me, they can figure it out and come talk to me because they've offended me. And it's funny. I think it's hilarious. But this is not funny. It's, it's normative in the church. There are tons of people, I'm just brutally honest, that walk out the door of this church and never come back because someone offended them and it's never talked about. Or I've offended them in some way and they don't want to come and talk to me or Alex or, or someone else or someone in their small group or their small group leader or the worship leader or whatever and it's just move on, I cancel you, forget you rather than what the Bible tells, what Jesus himself says to keep short accounts that when a brother or a sister is an offense to you or sinned against you to take initiative, confront them. I'll go so far as to say this is a command. The verb used here is literally go. It doesn't say pray about it. Tell a couple brothers and sisters about it and see if they can pray about it with you, which is also called gossip. No, it just says, go, short accounts. It's not long, it's not drawn out, it's not months of festering. And... No, no, it's go. And the language is really clear here, and I just want to pause here for a moment. Can't take too much time. I could preach the entire sermon just on this right here. It says to approach your brother and sister if they've what? There's very specific language. They've done what against you? 
sin. If they've sinned against you. Now, we have to be super wise in discerning actually what this means and what it is and what it is not. This does not mean that someone in the lobby of the church looked at you wrong. I know that, I know that girl doesn't like me. She keeps looking at me like that. But I went to church and no one said hi to me. I am deeply offended. I'm never coming back. This isn't talking about preferences in music style. This isn't talking about when someone disagrees with you politically, so we cancel them, and I don't want to be around them, I won't engage with them, I can't be in a small group with them because they believe differently than me. No, this is not what the Scriptures is calling. No, it's directly when they sin against you. I've been talking about this last couple of weeks. In the church today, there is a spirit of offense that needs to be deconstructed. Where we are offended at everything in life that is not actually when people are sinning against us. It's like, man, if someone disagrees with you, if someone doesn't like, do what they're supposed to, you think in your mind, man, they've offended me. And there's a spirit of offense that's living in the cultural world we live in, and it's finding its way into the church. And he's saying, no, it's not, it's not all these other things. It's when someone directly sins against you. It could be a lot of different things. And there's a lot of it, I'm sure, already happening. And he says, go to them. I, I firmly believe this is a personal, one-on-one, should I say face-to-face, private, between you and them alone. This isn't a text message. This isn't an email This is a looking a brother or sister in the face and having a direct conversation. And he says to you and him alone. How many times have you been offended or sinned against and the first person you had a conversation with was another believer in Christ? What's wrong with your guys' relationship? Well, let me tell you what they did to me. You see, what makes it in before reconciliation, the whole point of this is what? To win your brother back. The whole point is love and compassion and reconciliation. It's not so that you can get it off your chest. And before most of that happens a lot of times, we are going to a myriad of other people and sharing with them what has happened before we actually go to our brother or sister in Christ and say, man, I just want with my heart before you pour out and say, man, you've really, really... You've sinned against me, and it's, and it's damaged me. And, man, I just want to tell you that, and, and, and I, I forgive you, but, like, man, I just got to get it off my chest, and this is what the Bible calls me to, and so I'm going to do it. I haven't talked to anyone else about it. I want to talk to you first. You know how many times I have meetings with people or conversations with people, and they say, hey, this, 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 or that about that person? I'm like, the first question I have is, have you talked to that person about it yet? Number one is to you to go to them alone. But the problem is, is that many people, rather than dealing with conflict, I don't know about you, do a lot of people in here like to deal with conflict? I personally enjoy it, but I think I'm weird. But I'll speak to this in a moment, but we have a problem in the church 
of not wanting to deal with conflict, and instead of dealing with conflict, we just leave and go to the church up the road. Or we just don't come back to church. Or we watch church online. See, Jesus is sharing with us, the first job we have is to go to our brother and sister in Christ, have a real conversation, not spread gossip, not go to other places, don't wait, but rather... Meeting with someone one-on-one is overwhelming and stressful and broken and scary as that is and having a real conversation face-to-face saying, man, this is how you've harmed me. This is how you've sinned against me. Man, uh, husbands and wives, can I just tell you this is pivotal, not waiting, not going to meet with your sister or your good friend to tell you about how your husband is this, that, or the other, or your buddy. You know, the first thing we do is go to them. We sit down in a short account, in a quick manner, and pour our heart out to them and leave it with them, right? But the, the difference is, is, like, what if they don't listen? What if they don't, like, what, what, what if they don't change? Do we just kind of move on and be like, well, that person's a sinner? No, he has a step two. Look with me in verse 16. He says, but, man, if he, if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. So now there's three of you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses, right? So not only do we go to them to win them personally, now we go to win them in communally. We're, we're going to them with the community of faith, other brothers and sisters in Christ that we're walking through life with to be able to draw our brother back into relationship, right? So step two involves like grab a couple people, right, and, and go, but we, we, we know that oftentimes as we engage with other believers, I think this is what oftentimes we're scared of, is that we're, we're stubborn people. I don't know about you. I'm sinful. If you're perfect in this room, I don't think you need to sit down. You can just float. But no, you're sinful. You're stubborn. You're selfish. I don't know what your mom told you your whole life growing up, but that's true. I am too. We are. And oftentimes when this happens, men, we, we, we are met with stubbornness, pride. Nope, that's not true. That didn't happen. And I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes when we meet with them, we realize where we had some fault and we sinned, right? But so many times we never even get there and the brother or sister in Christ doesn't even know that they've harmed you until we meet with them. They're like, man, I was totally unaware. I'm so sorry. Like, I never meant to, like, sin against you in that way. I never meant to do that unintentionally, but that isn't always the case. Sometimes we're met with the opposite, right? Not everybody's going to listen. Not, not everyone's going to turn around in private attempts to bring your brother back, right? So what do you do? Jesus says, man, grab a couple brothers, grab a couple sisters, and go again, Meet them again. Now, now, why does he say bring two or three with you? What's the point of that? Well, there's a number of reasons when you look at it. Probably to, to protect yourself against false accusations or something that happens in a communal aspect together. That, man, you, you, you hear things differently. To help if, man, maybe this brother or sister that walks with you might be able to see it differently and add a different voice of reproof to this individual so that you could maybe win them back again with a couple others. And I'll just tell you, it's for public witness because if you get to step three, man, I got a couple other brothers and sisters in Christ that are walking through this with me, and here's where we are. The other two brothers and sisters in Christ just meant to be believers that serve as people that help and walk 
with you. How many of you in this room, if you're not, it's okay, you can see it in a different fashion, but if you're married here or online, you probably know what this is like. There's so many times in my life, I'll just use me as an example, not Sarah, um, we've been married for 16 years, happily for like six. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm messing around, but we've been through, and I think we've been pretty open about it, we've been through our ups and downs and all arounds and ins and outs, and there's... There's formative relationships that have helped us through our marriage. And I've been in ministry the entire time. I'm okay admitting it. I'm an individual just like you. I'm broken. I'm not good at a lot of different things, at, at following Jesus. And so we needed other people from outside of our marriage to speak into things. In some senses, it's been marriage mentors that helped us pre-marriage into post-marriage. Other times, it's been actual marriage counselors. Other times, it's been books we've read and other couples we've processed together. It's been a, a number of different people. And so, man, this is just free. If you're here today and you're struggling in your marriage, or you're joining online and you're just wrestling in your marriage, it's okay to hear someone else's voice. You're not messed up or broken because you have to go to a counselor. I personally think you should go to a counselor every year just for a tune-up and check-up to help you walk and process together. But there's something fascinating that happens uh, to me personally. My, Sarah would often tell me, hey, we need to like talk to somebody. It's usually the woman because the guy's like, no, I got this. It's no big deal. I don't know what the problem is. Well, the problem is you're emotionally detached and you can't figure out what's going on in your life. Well, the problem is, is, man, I would always be like, that's fine. We got this. We'll just do a couple of things or whatever. And Sarah would tell me things and I couldn't hear them, but something fascinating happened. Whenever we met with another couple that was further along, that was longer in their marriage, and they said, Jim, you're being an idiot. I'd be like, you're so right. Sarah, why didn't you tell me this before? And she'd be like, I've been telling you this for 16 years. Or a marriage counselor that brought things to light in a different way. You see, there's something about another voice outside of the relationship that helps us hear something differently that we otherwise wouldn't have heard in it. See, there's something beautiful that when we are at odds with our brother or sister in Christ and things are not going well, even when conversations have had that when another brother or sister in Christ gets involved, we hear things differently. There becomes a, a, a little bit of a, a wave building in essence to say, man, maybe I am being foolish. Maybe I am not looking in the mirror. There's now three brothers or three sisters that are standing in front of me and telling me how I've been in this way, been sinning or sinned against them. And man, maybe I need to take a little bit of a closer look. You see, Jesus is just being super practical. Take one, go by yourself. Then, if that doesn't work, take a few with you to help receive correction. Maybe they'll hear it differently. Maybe they'll bring clarity. Maybe they'll bring their head out of the clouds with a fog and they'll be able to see something. Man, I'll just tell you, in this, in a lot of texts in Scripture, it presupposes that you actually have a communal relationship in the church. If you're just someone who's watching online, we love you watching online. That's why we do it. We're so glad you're here. But if you only ever watch online, you're not engaged in this church, you don't have a community, you have a television. And you could be the same in the room if you're just slipping in and slipping out and you're not engaged practically in community, knowing other brothers and sisters in Christ and the church, that when things happen, you're able to bring them in. 
That, man, I'm all part of a community. That, like, we know each other. We, we walk with each other. And when there's a problem with one of us, man, I, I tried to correct it myself, and now the community is coming around them to help correct. It presupposes that you and I are living in communal relationships with others. And I've said it a million times before, you'll be hard-pressed to apply most of the New Testament scriptures in an individualistic way. They're not written that way. No, they're written for the faith, the community of faith together. And Jesus is saying, hey man, when, when, when the going goes sideways and it's not being able to be resolved with one individual, now, now a couple, two or three brothers, get involved. Sisters, get involved. And again, the whole point is not, man, I wonder if you've ever been in a situation where two or three brothers, sisters in Christ come around you and they just want to berate you and yell at you and you are, 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 are how could you be so dumb? No. The whole point is love, grace, for the point of reconciliation and community. Can I tell you, I've been a part of a few of these in my time in ministry, and it's really beautiful when it works well. It's really messy when it doesn't. I've been sitting in people's living rooms. Hey, you got two trajectories in life. We've tried to talk to you. They've tried to talk to you individually. When you keep going down this road, I'm just telling you, your family is going to be completely shattered. And your life is going to be completely off course. And I've seen the beauty of reconciliation and reforming of redemption and, and moving forward in community, and I've seen the opposite. So I just want to challenge you, don't give up at one. Like Pastor Chris said yesterday, go after the one. But don't go after him once. If he doesn't listen, go after him with more. Engage for the point of reconciliation, right? And may the brothers and sisters of Christ, if you're one of them that goes with another, may you be helpful in advocating for the gospel, for redemption and reconciliation. Unfortunately, we know this doesn't always go well. So what if two or three don't help and it doesn't get any better? Well, Jesus has a last step, right? Go to them congregationally. Now, this is where it doesn't get fun for me as a pastor. What does he say in verse 17? If he refuses or she refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So he's using their cultural commodities, if you will, that they were, they were, you know, Gentiles were looked at as outsiders, tax collectors were sellouts, and the worst of sinners. Verse 18, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if you, if two or, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. I love the ending there. Again, this is free to say where one of you is among in your personal relationship with Jesus, I am there among you. No. Where two or three, community, are walking through this together, so the last step is actually like engaging the church. 
with it, the broader community of the church. It's gone outside of the two or three, right? For the forming of reconciliation and redemption, right? The, the, the point is, is that the, the church and the leadership of the church would help in, in trying to bring them to their senses. That the whole group of believers, man, they see it and they say, all of you guys think this way? All of you guys are seeing this differently than me? Differently than me? That, that, man, maybe my eyes will be open. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I, I was seeing it not, not in the correct way. And, and so maybe the whole group, the whole church as a community will help in bringing the eyes of the person open to say, man, there's something wrong here. That maybe the public call of repentance, they would humble themselves and understand that there is something off. Again, unfortunately, we are really broken people and stubborn people, and even that many times doesn't work. And Jesus knows this. Jesus is like, I, I fully understand the broken world we're living in. I'm living in it right now, and I understand that this sometimes isn't going to work. He knows our hearts. He knows that we're, we're sinful and we're broken, and so he puts in one final step, right? And the final step is a change in relationship. Now, this is the one that we don't like very often. These are the ones we want to skip over in church. And to be honest with you, this is the one many times we're not enacting in church. I'll get there in a moment as to why I think, but it's not happening, right? So they're saying that no longer is this sinning person to be treated as a member or part of your spiritual family. He's saying, no, the only remaining course of action is just withdraw community of fellowship altogether and regard this individual as a non believer, an outsider. Don't fellowship with them. He's not saying don't fellowship with unbelievers. That's quite the opposite. Jesus lived the oppositely. What he has a problem with here, Jesus has a problem with, is people that say they're following Jesus and don't live like it. People that say that they're redeemed and they're not living redeemed. People that say that, 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 that man, I want to give you my life and I'll, I'll follow after you, Jesus, but they don't want to live that way. God forbid that we live in sin, as Romans 6 says, keep sinning and letting grace abound is what he's getting after. But no, this shouldn't be the case. It's actually the opposite. And so he's saying, man, there's some pretty strong things we need to do here. He's saying, man, speak to the church corporately. And really what that means is come to the leadership of the church. Oftentimes we hear about these things from other people and the process may not have been followed perfectly, but then bringing it to the elders of the church that we might uh, walk through the process with them. And he uses this interesting language. I don't have much time, but I just want to share a little bit about it. He, He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And what in the world does that mean? Does it mean we're like, tie these people up or what? Like, Binding and loosing. No. He's referring to the closed and open nature of the gospel. This is what he means. That, that to bind is to prevent entry to the kingdom, and loosing is to permit entry. You're like, man, that sounds really horrible, Jim. Like, you have the power to bind and loose whether people get into the kingdom of heaven? No, that's not at all what he's saying. So when a church or a teacher really puts someone outside the church or outside of becoming a a member of the church or having fellowship with the church, right? What they're doing is just redeclaring the gospel. That's what they're binding and loosing. They're just repeating what is also in Scripture. 
So man, when, when someone walks through this practically and the individual goes to them, there's no repentance. Man, two or three go to them. There's no repentance. The church as a whole and the leaders of the church go to them and there's no repentance. They are now saying what the word of God's saying. Unrepentance does not belong in the kingdom of God. And they're saying, hey, we're treating you as if you are not a believer. Therefore, we are binding and not loosing. We're declaring over you and we're saying that, man, there needs to be some form of repentance in your life in moving forward in the kingdom of God. Can I tell you, and this is not a plug for next steps or anything like that, I don't really care if you go or not. I do care, but this isn't why I'm sharing it. Do you know this is one of the formative and reasons why we have church membership in the church? People are like, I don't see church membership in the scriptures. No, they didn't need church membership because in Ephesus, there was one church. Everybody was a part of Ephesus. In Corinth, there was the church of Corinth. There wasn't the First Baptist Church of Corinth. The church of Thessalonica, there was just First Church of Thessalonica. Man, you got put outside the church, you were outside the church, and they didn't do church online back then. So you couldn't sneak in and be like, hey, I'm still watching online even though you said I could fellowship. No, there was just one church. So when you were put outside the church, I mean, it was a big deal. Can I tell you what the problem is today? Oftentimes when myself as a leader of this congregation goes in a real strong challenge to say, this is not okay, you are living unbiblically, we've walked with you through a process, and unfortunately, we're at a place where we're going to have to put you outside the church. They're like, we don't care, we're going to Kensington now. We don't care, we're going to the river. We don't care, we're going to the church up the road. And it's a huge problem in the church today. You see, the reason why we have church membership is because according to Hebrews, Hebrews says, no, the pastors will be accountable to what sheep they have and people that attend church are supposed to submit themselves under the leadership and the governance of the church because it's not just something you come to, like a Costco membership, that I show my card, I get special privileges in the church, and I can have my baby showers here. No. It's a covenantal relationship that is meant to be bound as family. So when you get up and leave the church because someone offended you and you don't say a word, how? It'd be like leaving your marriage without ever saying anything. When you just send an email, how? This isn't just some game we're playing together. This is spiritual, covenantal community. And God has more for us. That's why we have membership, that, man, I'm submitting myself to you as a leader in this church, and you're submitting yourself to me that we might walk together in life. And sometimes life is hard. You know what? You don't leave your family. You walk through the ups, the downs, the hards, the ups, whatever it is. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Man, we, we don't put you out because we want to be detrimental and say, hey, you can't come to church anymore. No, we, we cry. We leave tears on the table because we long for you to come back to the Lord and a part of the community of faith together. Man, I don't know where 
and me too. The greatest example we have this always is Jesus. Jesus didn't cancel you. He came after you. Jesus didn't say enough is enough. He came after you. Jesus didn't say, like, you offended me because I offend him every single day. He showed me grace. He allowed for repentance and redemption. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time for me to see the light. May we be a church that actively engages brothers and sisters in Christ, whether they're our spouse sitting next to us or another person in the church, I don't know. And I heard that they said something about me. May we be people of repentance, reconciliation, and redemption, all the while trying our best to live more and more like Jesus called us to. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thanks for the formative teaching of Matthew 18 that Jesus gives us. What an amazing thing it is to be able to walk through life with brothers and sisters in Christ. What a gift it is some of the great gifts you gave us, Lord, are the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, that lives in us, the Word of God that guides and directs us and tells us about you, and the faith community. As challenging and as hard as it is, Lord, may we be people that have short accounts, confronting brothers and sisters in Christ, calling them to repentance, just letting them know that they've offended or sinned against us so that we can be right without walking through life with bitterness and resentment. If there's people in this room today, Lord, that need to have a conversation with someone, God, would you call them to that? Maybe the person sitting next to them, call them to that. And um, may we fight against the canceling of people and moving on in life, saying we don't need them. And press into love, redemption, and reconciliation to the best of our abilities. Help us, Lord, as even as we sing, help us to be more like you, Jesus, as you're the greatest example of reconciliation. In Jesus' great name, Amen.